Genuinely, I say that. It's so lovely to see so many friends over from many years. In fact, I was sitting there this morning thinking, I have actually come to this church, wasn't always in this building, uh, every year for the last 25 years. So I'm, I've been here more than many of you. Uh, <laughs> maybe not as regularly. <laughs> yeah, there are some. I think were we in your lounge room one Sunday night or something? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, well, it's fantastic to see and to see the place absolutely full. Uh, just, just brilliant. The world has changed. By the way, Pastor Jeremy, what time do you normally finish? 10.30. Okay, it doesn't actually make any difference, but I'd just like out of courtesy to ask. <laughs> um, it's been a crazy world. And I was thinking, I was thinking this morning, we're doing, um, it's been a crazy year and the world has changed as we were doing communion. Communion used to be just a really quiet time. Now it's changed. <laughs> Everybody peeling the lids off their communion containers. And, and, um, and of course, now we don't take up offering physically. I had one of my most embarrassing moments for a long time in church uh, a few months ago. So back in July, we'd been locked down for a while, and the first weeks back, I was preaching at a fairly large church, and uh, I was seated on the front row there, getting ready to come up and preach. And there was a young lady who was leading communion, and then straight from communion into taking up the offering. So I heard her say, we're going to come around the off our offering time now, and she shared a little word. And, and so, I, as I normally would always have done, I pulled out my wallet, got some money out, ready to put in the offering bag uh, as it came around. A minute or so later, there's a lady standing in front of me with a box. I put my money in the box, and she, I've never had this happen. She's standing in front of me, and she takes my money out and hands it back to me. Like, it was a really bizarre moment. I thought in all my years in church, I've never had anybody hand my offering back. And then to my horror, I suddenly realised, oh, she's collecting the communion cups because there was no offering bag going around. And I just felt this red flush. I don't embarrass easily, but I felt this red flush just rise up the back of my neck and uh, the world has changed. <laughs> I want to share a message this morning out of something that I was convicted about. And when I say convicted, please don't misunderstand me. It's nothing to do with the magistrate's court. Okay, when I talk about being convicted, I talk about it's definitely an arresting moment, but it's a moment when the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God within us, pulls us up and makes us aware. There comes a realisation of something, usually something that we need to get right or we need to adjust in our heart and our life. And last year, about middle of last year, I had one of those moments that was very, very powerful and challenging. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but it's a good question to think about. When was the last time that, that you felt absolutely convicted of something by the Holy Spirit? Because I would suggest to you that if, if you can't remember the last time that, that something Something happened in your heart when you felt God's Spirit convict you of something that you need to change. I want to suggest maybe you're losing your sensitivity to the Spirit of God. But only you can answer that. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says this. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, 
so that we do not drift away. Interesting. For many years, um, I owned a boat. I had an 18-foot half-cabin boat. And I, I love outdoors. I love boating. And I love lots of stuff. I love life. I love life. There's lots of things I enjoy doing. So I had the privilege for a good number of years to own a boat. And uh, you learn a lot of lessons. How many of you know you can learn a lot of life lessons through just simple practical things in life? So even with boating, one of the things I learned was the importance of anchoring well. Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I can tell you a few uh-oh stories. Um, um, none of them were my fault, of course. But, um, but I will tell you one, and this one wasn't our fault. We had hired a houseboat uh, on the Gold Coast for a holiday for a week. It was absolutely wonderful, and we, we anchored for a few days off South Stradbroke on the inside um, at an area called Tiplers. And any of you, some of you may be familiar with that area on the Gold Coast, just off what was Tiplers Resort and uh, back in the day. And so it's Saturday night. It's a beautiful evening. And, uh, and then next thing, and just enjoying the peace and quiet, next thing, a big party boat has come up from Southport. And, like, it's a big boat. It's an 80-footer. And they anchor about 50 metres away from where we are. And, of course, it's a party boat. So the music is turned up loud and it's like doof, 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 doof. And it's just, we close the windows, you do everything, but you just, you know what it's like if you ever had a party next door to you. Um, And it was like, ah. Anyway, I realised after a while it seemed to be even getting louder, the music, which often happens with parties. And so I look out the window and suddenly the boat that was 50 metres away is now about 25, 30 metres away. And for a moment I thought, we're drifting. And then I realised, because of the way the current was going, um, no, it's not us drifting, they're drifting. So I'm getting ready to up anchor and to move when obviously somebody on that boat suddenly realised that they were drifting and uh, they up anchor and, praise God, they left and uh, <clears throat> went somewhere else and, and annoyed somebody else that evening. Um, but how many of you know it's really easy to drift? One of the things I learned in having a boat was that it's easy to drift, and particularly during rough weather or stormy weather or at night when you can't quite see. And sometimes you don't even realise that you're drifting. And the results, the consequences can be disastrous. Now, one of the keys to checking that you're not drifting is to have a couple of fixed reference points. And you line yourself up with those fixed reference points. And I'm not talking about the cloud at 2 o'clock. Now, some people actually do that with their life. They make a floating reference point, kind of the anchor point for their life. But when we are believers... In Jesus Christ, how many of you know there are some fixed reference points that we can line ourselves up with and we can check whether or not we are drifting? And at one point last year, and I'll talk about this in a few minutes, I realised that I had drifted, that the character of Jesus in me was not as evident as it should be in one area of my life. Now, I wasn't going out clubbing every night 
Uh, the nightclubs were closed at that time. Uh, no, no, it was an area of attitude. See, the interesting thing about drifting is that it, it starts when where the anchor is, which is in an area that's unseen. You can't see very often where the anchor is, is grabbed a hold of. But when that begins to let go, when that begins to come loose, that's when you begin to drift. And often it's in those unseen, those hidden areas of our life where we can't see or people can't see immediately, but if you don't deal with it, eventually it'll become very evident that you've drifted. The truth is, I think it's accurate to say our country, in our country, in fact, the world is currently in rough and stormy weather. And um, it's, it's, it's a dark time in many respects. The global pandemic during this past year and the subsequent impact of COVID-19, I think has exposed how fragile and how vulnerable the social and economic support structures uh, of our society and, our, and the things upon which our daily lives are, are founded, how vulnerable we are. In this country, we are most fortunate. In fact, we are one of the most blessed and most fortunate in the world. And we need to thank God. I tell you, if we're in this country, we need to thank God for the leadership. And, I, and I'm not talking there, there. There's issues at different state levels and things, I know. But I thank God for our Prime Minister. Amen. I thank God for, for the leadership that we do have in our nation and for largely being preserved thus far from the devastation. I've had friends overseas who have died from COVID. This thing is real. And uh, it's without question, I think, that this has been the most disruptive, challenging and unsettling event in the experience of any living generation. Of course, it's affected people differently. I was talking to Pastor Jeremy on the board yesterday about the impact here. And, and often in places like Stanthorpe, uh, the impact, some have felt it more than others, but for many, it's minimal. The impact has been minimal. And yet, there are many, many places. I'm glad, I'm glad I don't live in Melbourne. Praise you. I always knew Queensland was God's country. No. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and, um, but... It has impacted people differently, some more so than others. But it seems like in this past season, we've been confronting one challenge after another. I mean, it's only, you know, a year or so ago, we had massive drought, and I know there's still issues in this, this region. And then bushfires, which impacted you here. Then, of course, early last year, we had floods in various parts of the nation, and then COVID struck. It's just been crazy. And even for those of us who are people of faith, sometimes you can't help but ask, God, where are you? What are you doing in the middle of all this? Some Christians even that I've talked to have felt a bit overwhelmed because we live in a world that is somewhat overwhelming. And if, how many of you know if you watch the 6 o'clock news, it ain't good news? <laughs> you don't get up after watching the 6 o'clock news and go, wow, I feel good after that. <laughs> But how do you know when you come to gather in God's house, you can go home and go, wow, I feel good after that. That's why we, we ought to not drift from fellowship. There's so many things we can drift from. 
We can drift from our walk with God. We can drift in our behavior. We can drift in so many things, but fellowship's really important. That's just a little extra. I hadn't, that wasn't even in my notes. Um, you can have that bit for free. Um, this, the world has changed. It seems in the past year or so more than ever to have just gone crazy. Challenge after challenge, crisis after crisis, and conflict after conflict. And if that's not challenging enough, there are those who opportunistically seize upon these moments to promote chaos and anarchy. And we see in our own society, in our own culture in this country, but all around the world we see so much divisiveness, so much of mode of argument and so much opinion. And the truth is that very often that opinion and that emotive argument is not based on truth. It's not based on fact. It's just an opinion. And in the middle of all this, we are bombarded with images and thoughts and messages and, and, and positions, political and social. And, and it's so easy to become caught up in the tide it's so easy to become caught up in the wash. How many of you, you know that if you ever get caught up in a strong current, you can easily drift very quickly? And in the currents that are flowing all around us at the moment, it's easy to drift. And I think many believers, as I say, are trying to work out, God, where are you in the middle of all this chaos? In the middle even of my own frustration, in the middle of maybe my own apprehension and my own issues and my own fear. Where are you? What are you doing? And that's why more than ever in this season, we need to be well anchored. We need to be anchored in Jesus Christ. We need to be anchored in the Word of God. We need to be dwelling in Him. We need to have those fixed anchor points and reference points in our lives. And I want for a minute just to look at a particular passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to zone down just to share a little of my story of what happened with me last year in the particular area that I was challenged about. So, and I want us in this to see something of what God wants to do in the middle of all this. Not just in the big picture, but also in our own the environment of our own hearts and lives. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 13 to 18, I meant to give these to the media people before, and I forgot. Um, anyway, Ephesians chapter 2, 13 to 18, I'm reading from the NIV version. <coughs> so listen, it says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, how many of you were once far away, yeah. have been brought near through the blood of Christ? For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man, one new humanity, one new people out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So these verses clearly tell us 
what God's purpose is and what God is wanting to accomplish. His purpose, these verses tell us, is to create in himself one new humanity. One new humanity. He says out of the two, and I'll talk about that in a moment, thus making peace and to reconcile all to God through the cross by which he put to death hostility. How many of you know God always has a purpose? God always has a purpose. So what is Paul talking about when he says about making the two one, creating one out of the two? So Paul, back in this occasion, on this occasion, is referring to the Jews and the Gentiles. So two cultural, ethnic, religiously different groups of people who were actually quite at enmity with each other. The Jews and the Gentiles, we see those terms used a lot in the New Testament, the Jews and the Gentiles. But here's one I want to suggest to you this morning, that those statements that Paul said about God's purpose being to take the two and make them one, that's true of any group, where there's division, where there's difference. God wants to take the two or the three or the ten, whatever our background, whoever the us and the them How many of you know it's very easy to get into the us and the them mindset? And God's purpose is to want to take the us and the them, whoever that may be, and to make one, to break down the conflict, break down the hostility, and make us one new humanity. Wow, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I don't know, at present it sort of seems like we're in this twilight zone. I know about you last year, like just lost all sense of time frame. Like I still, I haven't even put the Christmas tree up and it's gone. <laughs> um, like last year was just, just crazy. I, uh, I don't always stay up on New Year's Eve to see the new year in, but I did this year because I wanted to make sure 2020 was gone. And... Uh, <laughs> But in this environment in which we live, it's so easy to choose an extreme. So easy to choose an opinion. So easy to choose even a polar extreme. It's my side or the other side, and be it on political issues or social issues, and if you're not for me, you're against me. And and I want to say this. What we can know is that at any moment in history where we are polarised where we are divided, where there is conflict, where there is hostility, what God is wanting to do, and this is a challenging thought, God is wanting to take the brokenness of humanity and the fragmentation of humanity, the division and the hostility, and God is wanting to create one new humanity in Christ. That's his purpose. One of the things I love about being a believer, and I have said this previously, I've had the privilege to travel to many parts of the world. I love being a follower of Jesus because I've got family wherever I go. And it's not just a word, it's true. Like there is something about being a follower of Jesus Christ. You can go to different cultures and different places in the world. And, and looking around here this morning, we've got many of our brothers from the Solomon Islands, and that's awesome. And many of you from different, different backgrounds, And what God wants to do and what the beauty in God, and we demonstrated here this morning, he makes us all one in Christ. Hallelujah. That's what God wants to do. 
How does he do that? Well, verse 13 says, In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So you can know that whatever is going on in the world, God is always wanting to bring you nearer. How many of you know that's true? God's always wanting to bring us closer. We are being brought near. Whether this morning you are far from God or whether you are near to him, he's wanting to draw us nearer, wanting to draw us closer. He's trying in this moment in time to get your attention, and I believe the attention of people in our, in our world, and to pull you close to him. He wants us to see, I think, that we cannot solve the human problem without him. And we've got decades, we've got centuries of history to show that. And this is a time to move in the direction of God. This is not a time to drift. This is a time to find an anchor point. And what God does in the middle of all this is, I think, peel away the facade that everything's okay. And to help us realise afresh that we desperately need him to help us change the core of the human condition. And what God, what God is wanting to do is not only draw us near to himself, but he's also wanting to draw us near to each other. Listen to this. Again, see, you who were once far away and you who are near. So whether you're near, whether you're far away, and we know people who are far away from God, we live in a culture and a world that is drifting far away from God. But whether you're near or whether you are far away, he wants to bring you together by the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. So this is the moment to allow yourself to be pulled in the direction of God. Now, here's an amazing and challenging truth. When you move in the direction of God... You will always move in the direction of people. You cannot move close to Jesus and move against humanity. In fact, Jesus tells us that the proof of true discipleship, the proof of a true relationship with God is not that you love the people who love you. Even that can be challenging. Anybody who's married said, no, no, don't put your hand up. <laughs> it's, it's not the proof of being a follower of God is not just that you love your friends and love those who love you. But Jesus says the proof of true discipleship is that you love your enemies. Oh, come on, Jesus. That's just, that's over the, that's too much. Wow. And, and so what is an enemy? We, um, that can mean many different things. A friend, and actually he's been here in this church, Pastor Peter Shirley, close, close friend. So I was talking to Peter this week. He pastors a, a fantastic church in Tasmania. So, and he has, and their church has done a lot of mission work in Myanmar, formerly known as Burma. And so he has a lot of relationships. He's been there many times. And of course, as some of you know, in the past week or so, the military has, uh, has taken over 
uh, as it mounted a coup, thrown out the government, jailed Aung San Suu and many of the, the government leaders. And the military are clamping down and some of the inside stories are quite, quite frightening. So Peter, my friend, was on an online prayer meeting with leaders in Myanmar earlier this week. And he said he was so challenged and humbled because, like, these people, their lives are literally in peril. They talk about enemy. The military is their enemy, and that is in physical reality. And yet these Christian leaders and believers are praying for the military. They're praying. And Peter said, you could feel the anguish and the grief and the, the challenge of doing that. How many of you know it's not easy to do that? But in our context, we don't have it that challenging in one respect. But here's, here's the area where... Well, let me just say this. I think the enemy, in the context of what Jesus is talking about, is anyone who stands on the other side opposed to us. So it might be opposed to your opinion, opposed to your view, opposed to your values. It was in this area that I was personally challenged. There were some issues... And I won't go into the specifics. Last year, I'd been involved in a number of things and there were some issues and behaviour and responses from people in our community that made me very, very angry. And I don't have the time to go into the details and I wouldn't do that this morning. I, as a result, I wrote a comment in the Australian newspaper and got a lot of resonance, a lot of likes, a lot of comments about what I wrote which reinforced my view. And can, let me just say this. I do not for one moment alter my view or my opinion. There are certain values. There are certain things I believe as a follower of Jesus. My, my rock and my anchor point is the word of God and the nature and the foundation of God and his character and all that that means. And so I do not for one moment change my view. But where I got challenged about was my attitude to those who were on the other side. Because I suddenly realised that I was actually becoming like them. I, I was drifting. My heart, and like I felt righteously so. <laughs> How many of you know we can find ways to justify our attitude. How many of you know you can actually be right but be wrong because your attitude's wrong? You can be right on the issue but wrong if your heart and your spirit is wrong. And, and that's where I got challenged by God. And it's, it's okay. And in fact, it's important sometimes to take a stance. It's important sometimes to stand for what we believe. But I realised that my spirit was being infected by the tide, the current. I was, I was drifting. My spirit was being infected by the spirit of the world. And I was becoming like those that I despised. I was becoming like those who stood on the other side of my belief and of my values and, and the things that I stood for and believed. <coughs> and I was becoming like them. And I, I needed again to rediscover the fixed reference points the immovable 
reference points. I needed to come back to the rock that is higher than I. Hallelujah. I needed to come back to the values of the Word of God. I needed to come back to the fixed reference point of the nature and the character of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6.19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And more than ever, we need an anchor. How many of you know? So, I think God's wanting to deal with the issues of our hearts. God's always wanting to bring us together. He himself, which we read as our peace, made the two one, destroyed the barrier. I was amazed at how many times in this passage the words barrier, hostility, division, it's quite a focus. How many go, God works to break down barriers, destroy hostility? How good are we at building barriers? Not you, but people you know, right? <laughs> the challenge is, I think, one of the challenges is stop looking, for a start, this is one thing, stop looking for all the things that divide us and look at the things that unite us. I've had the privilege for about the last 12 years to, to represent our movement, the Australian Christian Churches, at the heads of churches table. And... Um, so every two months, the leaders from almost every major denomination, the Anglicans and the Baptists and, and uh, you name it, we all meet together at the residence of the Catholic Archbishop in Brisbane. And I tell you, over the years, we have become friends. I can remember in the earlier days when I first used to go there and I'll be careful because I know this is being recorded. Hello, all my friends from other churches. Um, but of course, we're a little more free in our expression. And so somebody would read a devotion from maybe the prayer book or from their liturgy, and I wouldn't do it publicly, but internally it'd sort of roll my eyes. And go, oh my goodness. And they'd read a verse of scripture and then stop. Apparently you were supposed to think about it. Because uh, <laughs> those of us who are Pentecostals, man, we just go for it. Come on. Don't stop to think about anything. Just go. <laughs> and over the years, I've learned, I've learned to love and respect my brothers, and we support one another. And again, I could say a lot more about that, but and we've worked together on so many issues. Over Just one of those, just... In fact, there'll be an email coming to you this week, Pastor Jeremy, I'll be sending out. So in Queensland, we have, it's enshrined in legislation, the right for religious instruction in schools. But there was a lot of movement, and there's been attacks on this over the years, and the truth is, the beginning of last year, we were that far away from losing it out of our schools. And so, long story short, the heads of churches, we formed an organisation called the Christian Religious Instruction Alliance Queensland. It's a long name. Um, and we've got some high-level people, and we represent to government, Queensland education, and now with great credibility. And, um, and we have, at this point, saved our eye in our schools. Hallelujah. 
And we're going to be, we're going to be looking for, for new recruits to do RI, and we have a whole new approach to this. Anyway, Pastor Jeremy will get an email about that in this next week. So here's, as I draw to a close, sooner or later. Oh, Anita, can I just have the water? Thank you, if you don't mind. Thank you very much. Um, by the way, being united in peace and being one does not mean that we're all like clones. That was close. How many of you ever had those moments with those bottles? Some are weaker than others. They're pretty good. You squeeze a bottle to, and you undo the... And whoosh, you get baptised. Yeah. Which may not be... There's the thought for COVID. Bap, COVID baptisms. Take your water bottle, squeeze, and undo the top. Uh, anyway. Um, being united, being one does not mean that we're all clones, that we all think the same. God is not into standardisation. God is creative. God loves diversity. Now, that word's being misused. But in truth, God loves diversity. You think about it in creation. So, God created flowers. So, God could have gone, here's a rose. How many of you know roses are just a beautiful, beautiful flower and the, the perfume? And like God could have gone, there you go. In fact, I'll give you two colours. <laughs> and could have left it at that, beautiful. But no, God creates such diversity, not just within the rose, uh, whatever that word is, whatever it is, but not just within the, the, the roses, but they're just... Myriads of different types of flowers with different fragrances, different aromas. Could you imagine if God created just one aroma? How many of you know a sense of smell is really important? How many of you love the smell? Well, Anita demonstrated it this morning. The smell of fresh baked bread. Oh, something about that. Or fresh good coffee in the morning. Something about that. Can you imagine if everything just smelt the same? If God just made it that everything smelt like cardboard and, you know, I'm wearing aftershave, eau de cardboard, um, <laughs> and you have a cup of coffee and it smells like cardboard and, and you, oh, steak and onions, but it smells like cardboard. No, God created such variety and diversity. We all enjoy different flavours. Imagine if everything tasted just one flavour. Chicken. <laughs> Chicken for Trev. Any other orders? Do we have other orders? Brussels sprouts. How many of you? <laughs> you like Brussels sprouts. Come for prayer now. <laughs> no, no, actually, I don't mind Brussels sprouts. When I was a kid, I hated them with a passion. Uh, how many of you like Brussels sprouts? Give me a wave. Wow. But then you, do you grow them around here? No, okay. You import them from the Laidley Valley or somewhere. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, but imagine if everything just tasted one flavour. See, it's a great thing that we're all different. Could you imagine if everybody, if everybody, oh, I've got to be careful who I pick on here. Um, if every, I'll pick on the pastor because it's kind of, 
if everybody, now, he's a good looking man, apparently, and, um, <laughs> but imagine if everybody looked like Pastor Jeremy. It'd be alright if you could all play the guitar like him. But if everybody looked like Jeremy, life would be, and that's no insult to Jeremy, don't laugh because it's true for you too, if I pick on you. <laughs> no, God made us all different. And I am so glad. We can look around the room this morning. There's nobody looks like you. <laughs> Praise God for that. There's nobody looks like you. We, uh, sometimes we have people that look a little bit like us, that we sound... Last time I was here, I, um, I did Liam Neeson. Some of you might remember. <laughs> I've actually had people come up to me without reference to him and say, I look like him, or I sound like him even when I'm not imitating him. But I do know where you live. <laughs> and I do have a very particular set of skills. Anyway, <laughs> we're all different. We're all different. I think this COVID crisis has given so many people, both inside and outside of the household of God, opportunity for pause for thought around personal priorities, the things that matter most, the things that hold most value in life. I mean, we've seen so many ch churches moved online. Good morning, those of you watching online. And actually, that's been amazing because during this past year, there's reports, not just in our world, ACC, but right across the denominational spectrum of people who've not engaged with church, would never enter the door of the church, but they've sat down and watched online. I, tell you, I can tell you many of these sorts of stories. Like one of, a, one of our churches, a country church, where the wife, as a Christian, and she's been coming to church for years. Her husband wouldn't darken the door of a church, but for, he sat down one Sunday and watched with her on home at home in line in the lounge, and loved it, and watched the next number of weeks running. Now, I don't, I, can't, I haven't followed up. I don't know where that's led to. But there's opportunity in every season. There's opportunity, and I think as people are increasingly aware of the fragility and the vulnerability of this life. There's a desire to find that which is meaningful. And we may not, not everybody may recognize it as such, but I want to say to you this morning, that which is most meaningful is spiritual. Because there's something within the heart of every human being, even though they may not recognize it as such, that is actually there for God in a relationship with God. Here's, here's the thing. God is always working with intention in your life. And this season presents an opportunity to reflect, to reset, to recalibrate, to reinvent. I think it's a time, a great time to prayerfully and thoughtfully examine life and all that matters. And to make sure that our hearts and lives are aligned with God's purpose. What's his purpose? His, what God wants to do is show love and compassion and grace to a hurting and broken world. We're, we all have hurt. We all have brokenness. We're, we're, on a, we're all on a journey. None of us have yet made it. But it is a time 
for us who are followers of Jesus to check whether we have drifted. To check our position against the fixed reference points of the, the character of Jesus Christ and the nature of God and the Word of God. Not in some legalistic, harsh, judgmental way. That was the thing the religious people of the day, of Jesus' day, had problem with because Jesus actually, you, you know the story, he, he was accused of being a friend of sinners. He hung out with them. My goodness gracious me, Jesus, what are you doing? You're not supposed to do that. Stay away from them. No, no, no. We, can I just say, it's a, it's a great analogy, in this crazy world of contagion, we ought to be contagious, not with COVID, hallelujah, but we ought to be contagious with the love and the nature and the compassion of God himself. Sometimes we're waiting for God to send the right people to sort out the world. But I want to suggest to you this morning that maybe you're the people we've been waiting for. Maybe we are the people we've been waiting for. We may not be able to change that world, but we can certainly change our world one person at a time, the influence, the impact, the change that you can bring in just one person's life by showing love and care and compassion and tenderness and understanding and empathy, all those things that flow out of the nature and the heart of God, you can change a person's life and who knows what the end result of that will be. Be an influence for good. Be a pandemic for good. Be contagious with the nature and the character of God. Anchor your life in him. Check your anchor points today. Check that you haven't drifted. Keep your faith in him. Keep your focus on him, not the world. Let's pray. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Just bow your head for a moment. Let's just take a moment. God, we have felt your presence in this place this morning during worship and everything that we've done. And even in this moment, we bow before your presence. And we open our hearts to the searchlight of your spirit. Come and reveal to us, Lord, where maybe for those of us that may have drifted, whatever that might look like in our own life. But if we have drifted from the true nature of being anchored to you and loving you and following you, if our hearts have been infected and impacted by hurt or betrayal or disappointment or so many things, God, I pray, just help us to check our position this morning. And if we need to move, to move back to that anchor point where our lives are aligned to you. And God, I pray, help us. Help us as we do this challenging journey of life. Help us to be true followers. Help us to just be people who love you and love people, regardless of their background, regardless of their belief. 
Help us to not only pray for blessing upon them, but to be a blessing to them as we encounter them in our daily life. So God, I pray for each and every heart here this morning. And each of us, Lord, between you and ourselves individually, we know our own hearts and our own lives. We know today if we have drifted, if we have shifted, God, help us right now, help each individual just to take stock in this moment and make a decision to reset the anchor point. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks, Pastor Jeremy. Awesome.